Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tom Fuller of TNK. Uh, right now, I'm not being joined in the intro by my faithful compatriot, Chris, because he's actually the one who will be in the first round of interviews. Now, for those of you tuning in, this is for Black Lives Matter. This is for all of the riots, all of the protests going on. And I'm getting a diverse collection of views. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. This is important. And with that, I will get straight into it. You know me. My name is Thomas. I am now 20. I'm an African-American male. Uh, and I'm being joined by my friend Chris. I'm doing this because I believe that we can use our platform to bring awareness. So with that said, Chris, what uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, okay. So um, you know me. I'm... I'm Chris, you know, as forementioned, mentioned, as for mentioned, yes, as mentioned previously. Um, I am also 20 years old. I am a um, Hispanic male. And, um, you know, I go to a HBCU with Thomas. And, you know, I'm just, yeah, that's, that's about me, you know. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, he's chosen to not stand on us which is my respect for that. I'm very happy about it. Chris, with everything going on now, let's kick it off with this, with this question. What do you think about the killing of George Floyd? And do you believe in the protests that are happening now? Um, what do I think about the killing of George Floyd? And do I be- what do I believe about the protests? Yes. Like, do you believe in them? Like, in what's happening? Do I believe in them? Well, I do believe they're happening, you know, since they're being covered on the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, to answer, to answer the first part of the question, I don't think anyone is going to dispute the fact that it was, that what happened to George Floyd was the correct thing that was supposed to happen, or it is acceptable or that, you know, it like, no one's going to say, like, that wasn't wrong. That wasn't the wrong thing to do. And um, that, you know, it's morally justified or whatever. Um, what I think about the protests, I would have to say, at first, you know, it started with the death of George Floyd. But then... It was more, more. I feel like the death of George Floyd was more, more so the spark um, that ignited the flame, which are now the protests and the riots. Um, it really, what it is, and the reason I say that is because there's just been a, it's just been a long time of, um oppression and uh, the failure of the system and really just systematic racism that has plagued America and the United States um, and of course in other parts of the world but I'm primarily going to say in the United States because that's where the majority of the protests are happening um, mm-hmm. but um you know, ever since its inception, you know, 
George Washington had slaves, or no, not George Washington, Thomas Jefferson had slaves, um, and you know, that was towards the beginning, the inception of the, of the, um, the United States, and even beforehand, and, um, you know, like, um, I, I remember asking, um, Sienna, which, I'm not sure if you've already, um, interviewed her, Thomas, but, um, I remember asking her, you know, if you could choose a time period to go back to, what would it be? You know, if you wanted to live in a different time period, experience different things. Um, I remember asking that question in the context, like, you know, oh, getting to see, like, you know, Michelangelo paint um, the Sistine Chapel or, um, you know, experiencing Greek and Roman culture or things along those natures, right? Okay. And... It didn't really hit me, um, like, the difference in, like, how different two worlds can be, and how two different, um, interpretations of the same world could be, until, like, I asked her, and she said, um, I wouldn't want to go back to any point in history, except right now, and I said, why, why do you say that, and then she said, because right now is the time where black people have been the least oppressed and where black people have the most freedom why would i want to go back to the 70s where the civil rights protests were happening or before then when jim crow was enacted or segregation it's right now is the best time to be alive for a black person and that sounds and, good, very know, good Oh, no, continue. Sorry. But, you know, when when she told me that, you know, it really just, it, like, it, like, befuddled me, right? Like, what what do you say to that, Thomas? Like, when I, when I, when she told me that, right, I was just, um, yeah, I was befuddled. Like, I, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective or from that lens previously. Very interesting. And a good thing, too. Because that point brings up another another thing. You were even just talking about the 70s. That's only 50 years ago. That's only one generation ago. A lot of the things that we deal with, you know, some people are making the argument that, oh, okay, well, things are so much better now, which they are. And that's, that's an undeniable fact. But again, you know, our generation is, is not that way. A lot of our generation, I believe, is, is a lot more accepting especially with now how we interact with gays, lesbians, LGBT communities, all of that. It's, it's a lot more accepting. But again, that was only a generation, two generations ago. And a lot of the older, it's a lot of the older people that are in, you know, positions of, of power, high authority. So it's, it's this weird mix of, yeah, I think they're better, but, you know, you also have to look at it from that, that generation standpoint. So, I know there's some people out there that don't believe systemic racism exists, that it's not a thing. What would you say to the people that don't believe in systemic racism? Like, why do you believe it is a thing? Or why do you believe it exists? Um, well, I think your first question should be, if I believe in systemic racism, which I feel like I, apologize. I did do you? answer that beforehand. Um, but, like, I... I do think it is, you know, very Well, in the so. most recent years, in, like, today's society. 
Okay, yeah. Um. So, you know, systemic racism, the reason I say it's a thing, is you could... And not even just in the black community, but also, you know, it could relate to, to the Hispanic community as well. Yes. Um. So, like, this, this is the thing, right? There, you could always pull examples and say, oh, you know, and pull up statistics. And it really just depends on the person who, so your question was, you know, what would I say to someone who doesn't believe in systemic racism? I first have to establish the fact that they're willing to listen and accept a different viewpoint than their own. Um, mm. If they do not or cannot or not willing to do that, then, you know, why would I even bother trying to convince them of something that, you know, there are statistics on, there are articles being published about it, and, you know, if they're not even going to change their viewpoint or even try to accept the fact or try to, you know, comprehend. Be more open to the idea. Yes. Exactly, you know, or even try to be open to that idea, like, then I, there's really no way I could try to convince them of that. But, you know, to someone who would listen and who would, you know, want to be open to something different than what they believe, then I would say, you know, um, there are several examples, you know, like, I know back, I'm not entirely sure what time period I do know it was in the last century, though. Um, but I'm pr I, I'm not entirely sure if it was in the like early 2000s or if it was like late 1900s. But there was this um, it was like this book, or not necessarily. It was um, it was like a code for um real estate agents, and it was a, well, basically what it was was in certain neighborhoods people of color could not live there and it was like a red lines throughout different communities so that's how you ended up getting um certain areas that were just a majority white um neighborhoods and then you had other areas um that were just majority you know hispanic um people are um hispanic black people people of color right and you know, that really wasn't established or, like, you know, um, no, that wasn't really taking out of, um, that sphere, that uh, real, real estate sphere until, like, you know, the government had to step in and say, you know, that's, that's unacceptable. You can't, um, you can't just, you know, force people to move into different places or, you know, deny people from, living in certain places because of their skin color. Interesting. And, you know... No, that that's, that's actually... Be... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that's very interesting that a book like that would even exist. I mean, it's not surprising, but... Which, <laughs> yeah, like, there's, you know... there's another quick question to, to prove a certain point um, later on, but continue with what you were saying. Oh, um, so, like, yeah, that... I feel like that right there would really be like the, I guess you, you could say the crux of my argument. Um, you know, the foundation of it, like, it's not necessarily like, you know, the Illuminati 
or something. <laughs> like there's just an organization that, you know, is just racist towards everyone gotcha. and wants to put black people down or, you know, Hispanic people down. It's more so... I guess you could say it's more so just culture. And mm. how... The past has, you know, given... So, like, you know, it's, mo it's more most, mostly culture. So, for example, you know, if you were to say, okay, name 10 rappers, major I, I would say, you know, you would probably name more black rappers than white rappers. White rappers. Or than Latino rappers, you know. And since, you know, generally speaking, in rap, you know, all you're really talking about is making money, you know, drug, sex, and alcohol, although that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it puts, like, a, a certain, you know, lens or, like, may, like it says, like, uh, like it generalizes, a, you know, a group of people. And that's not really, you know, who they are. And, you know, the, it's just a positive um, feedback loop, you know. For example, you know, you have um, poor neighborhoods in California or wherever, you know. And the whole reason that's happening is because of, you know, what was it? Um, I think it was um who was it clinton's uh bill clinton's um law what was it um it wasn't no it was um um i think it was like three strikes or something like that but, but essentially it was like after your third um i'm not sure if it was a misdemeanor or felony you would get like put into prison for a very long time and okay you know just Stuff like that, that's just, you could argue it was made to target black communities and poor communities. That That is a valid argument. You could also argue, well, no, you know, you're trying to, you know, stop crime and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there's also an argument to be had there. But the fact of the matter is that it impacted black communities the most, you know. Exactly. People who had to resist. Where I, oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, no. You're all right. I was just going to say that's also where I wanted to tie in your knowledge of those documentaries uh, that I know you watched on Netflix a while back. Um, so, dealing yeah. with that. But yeah, so, um, you know, there's this really good um documentary on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on there, to be honest. It it's should called, be. Um, Okay, that's good to hear. It's called 13th, um, mm -hmm. and it's about the 13th Amendment, um, and it really just gives a very good, I would like to say, you know, summary of black history, and, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't want to say that it's a very reliable source because it is biased because you know if you're going to talk about your suffering and your misery it's always going to come off worse whenever you talk about it right because to you it's way worse than to someone else and you know although i would say that they try to take a very objective viewpoint and try to you know talk about things that aren't really mentioned um, and really try to bring up, you know, certain points 
and things that are overlooked or that, you know, people say, oh, well, that's not too bad or whatever, you know, um, I do want to say that, you know, you can consider it biased. However, with that being said, I still think it's a great documentary. Um, it really opened up my mind and made me aware of, you know, the larger impacts among, you know, common people and common um, black folk and of like, you know, certain policies implemented by the government, which, you know, overall were seen as pretty good policies. Like, for example, the war on drugs, you know, by Nixon. Um, you know, oh yeah, that's great, you know, let's have a war on drugs, you know, let's say no to, you know, addiction, um, trying to combat, you know, people just throwing their lives away and getting addicted, and just, you know, seeking out pleasure, right? Only problem with that is, you know, whenever that was implemented, there was a, I think it was in 2001, one of uh, the former uh, Nixon, like one of uh, Nixon's former, um, I'd like to say cabinet members, ended up saying like the whole reason they implemented the war on drugs was to um, stop protesters, um, protesters that were um, against the, the Vietnam War, which, you know. Mm, I remember about that and whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, also to target the black community and to, you know, mark them and label them as, you know, um, people that are um, hooked up on opioids. And, you know, even, and, you know, that's another example of that, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, like I was saying, a whole gigantic system that's against black people. It's more so, you know, individuals that have power or that have certain biases or certain, you know, um certain ideas of what a group of people are when really that doesn't really reflect who they are and you know you could even say that back to um like the early 1900s whenever um there's the whole thing against the marijuana saying you know marijuana made black people and or black men and hispanic men rape white women and you know that was all just for um all to get a competitive advantage against, you know, the hemp plant. And, you know, because um, if you're unaware, like, hemp, which is like the... It's the plant that marijuana is grown off of. Marijuana is like the like the seed or like the flower. And hemp is the actual, like, stem. Um, that stem can be used to make paper, can make it be used to make rope, cloth, oil, um, all those things, right? And... The whole reason there was a uh, that there was that association with it, um, with you know, in in terms of Hispanic men and and black men, was so that you know an, a a guy who just bought you know tons of acres of you know forest could use that to make paper, and it was all about business and capitalism, you know. So, um, really, it's just like like I said, it's just it's a cultural thing at this point. I think. Um, do I think it can be changed? Yes. Do I think it will take some time though? It can change, but it'll take a good bit of time and it'll also take strong leaders in 
the black community and the black community and in other communities like the white community or you know Hispanic community to support them um it won't be fixed overnight with riots and protests however you know it does show that you know we're, we're sick of it you know and you know it doesn't help that we have you know, a president that doesn't really acknowledge that, who isn't really trying to be a leader um, in that sense, and more so is just trying to appeal to his base. So, but like, I really Speaking of which, finish uh, finish your thought? Well, I was going to say that I do think that we are going to need another leader like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to be able to pull out of this stigma and to pull out of that systemic racism. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that one before, but interesting. I don't know. Hmm. I feel like we could. I feel like there there's too much violence right now. I know for me for me personally, I I also agree on that note. I agree with a lot of the protests going on. I think it's for a very viable cause. I know that I wouldn't be part of some of the violence, some of the throwing of bricks, burning down of buildings, uh, you know, any of any of that. And it brings an interesting question into light, though. Would half the progress that was made be, be made if there wasn't any violence? Now, I'm not saying I agree with violence. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I think violence is one of those types of necessary evils because violence rather than peace typically gets a lot more media coverage. Tensions are very high right now, and we've had a pandemic. We've had one thing after another. 2020 has not been the best year whatsoever. We've all gotten up to our start, especially with everyone who's been in school. And I think part of the reason why some of these fuels are fanning of the flames the people out there are all of this is happening a lot longer than they normally seem to happen or being covered more than they normally seem to be covered is because I know a lot of people right now are out of work. So before, you know, I might've been, Oh, you know, I can't afford to go to this protest or rally or riot because, you know, I have such and such to lose and I need to make money to support my family to support myself. Well, if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? So I think, Oddly enough, a lot more people that do support everything that's that's happening right now are, I should say, rather against it, are kind of coming out of the woodwork. So yeah, I think there's that. Um, I'm going to try to keep politics out of this. There is one political statement, remark, comment, whatever you want to call it, that I'll bring into it later. Uh, but I do, I do have a question uh, for some for some responses. Okay. So, I have a friend who has said some things, and I have I've sent you some of those things through Instagram. If you remember, do you remember those? I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, and you already know who we're who we're talking about. Was um, it the one where I asked you if this is real life? Yeah. Okay. It, it was. 
No, 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 you're, you're good. I'm, as long as we're on the same page, I'll actually end up, uh, <laughs> I asked you if this was real life. Um, I'll probably end up sitting, what the heck? Oh, I see now. Hold on. But, yes, so, I forgot you made that comment. That was actually pretty funny. This is real life. <laughs> no, I just, I just find that very, very interesting. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find it here. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, Tom Fuller with, uh, D&K, you know, having, uh, some, uh, intermission right here, you know. Well, we yeah. A, a little, well, you know. well, I guess I can't. I can't. I can't seem to find it. But like, some of those comments that were made, I know that some people are also. Oh, what do you what do you think of the whole view of, of white lives matter? Let's go with that because the whole, the whole like, white lives matter. So there have been people out there that have been posting. You know, when Blackout Tuesday hit, they posted a lot of things about. You know, we're not white lives matter. I apologize. That was a Freudian slip. I meant all lives matter. Okay. But it was like a white picture. So that's why I... Yeah. 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 Um, how does that make you feel as an individual? Like, what, what message do you think that sends? Do you think they're, they're misunderstanding the point of everything that's going on? Because all lives do matter, but I, I feel like, you know, there's actually... There's actually a really good... I guess you could say comic that a friend had sent me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it to you. So it starts off with, well, I think that all lives matter. You know, we should care exactly equally at all times about everything. You know, for example, for example, all houses matter. Okay. Well, right now you see a guy using the, the fire hose to water his own house. That's not on fire. Whereas the neighbor's house is on fire. So the other person says, well, I agree. All houses do matter. In this case, houses being the analogy to lives. But at the moment, the one on fire should get more attention. But by saying that a burning house needs attention, aren't you saying that all other houses don't matter? Well, no, that's not the point. My house isn't the one on fire, but I have dry rot. Are you saying it shouldn't be fixed? It Well, yes, it should be fixed, but the fire is more pressing at the moment, you know, that my house will literally burn down. Okay, well, let's say I put that house fire out, but my house catches on fire. Aren't I entitled to water then? Of course, but it's not the one on fire right now. Okay, well, my house is near the one on fire. If I if it would, if I wet it down, then the embers won't catch. That's sensible, right? That Well, at that point, that's completely outside the analogy. Well, where's that house's owner anyway? Why do I gotta hose down his house for him? Well, because he died in the fire. So, I think that's going to bring it into perspective a lot more. You know, I just kind of want a little bit of a rant there, but uh, essentially, with that analogy in mind, for the people that are on the train of All Lives Matter, are kind of disregarding the, the point, I should say, of Black Lives Matter. How does that make you feel? So, the the post that you're talking about i did see it um beforehand and you know i think that is it is a very good analogy um and you know it pretty it pretty much does sum it up pretty well the whole 
premise behind Black Lives Matter is not saying that only black lives matter. You know, all lives matter. But what Black Lives Matter is trying to convey is that, you know, all lives matter, but so, but, um, I don't want to say especially black lives do, but it's more like, you know, so do black lives. And the reason why it even became a movement is because of, you know, injustices that were happening happening to, you know, black people or in the community, you know. Like, for example, the, the thing that, like, really, to me, is just the most shocking and, like, the thing that really, I would want to say, like, conveys that point the best is, which I really do hate myself for not remembering her name, um, but it was, I remember whenever it came out in the news, it was this, um, this black woman who was in her house and who got shot down by police. Okay, so in, in real quick, uh, real quick, I know who you're talking about, uh, it is, um, Brianna Taylor, I want to say, or Brianna Taylor, I can search her name in a second. Uh, well, actually, just real quick, uh, I believe her name was uh, Brianna Taylor, is the one we were talking about, just FYI. So, but continue. <clears throat> I know who you're talking about. Oh, okay. So, um, so yeah, whatever, you know, would, um, like, that was the thing that, like, really opened up my eyes, um, was whenever Brianna Taylor was shot down in her own house, and, you know, when that happened, I feel like that's when I would have been most outraged, because, you know, what do you hear from, um, people from the opposing side on All Lives Matters, or, you know, other groups that are opposed to Black Lives Matter, what do they say, you know, they say, oh, try not to get into conflict with the police, you know, just listen to what they say. And, you know, you do that. And I remember, oh, this is, um, I remember, I think this was maybe back in high school when I, um, heard about this, but it was, a, it was, um, it was a man who, you know, he had his hands up on the steering wheel and he notified the officer and he said, um, sir, I just want you to know I have a gun in the car. Um, however, I'm going to be reaching for my papers to, to give you. And, you know, the officer said, stop moving, don't move, don't, and then he just shot him right there in front, next to his girlfriend, um, you know, did everything you, you could have done in that situation, had his hands up on the steering wheel, told the officer what he was going to do, told the officer and that he knew he was armed and, you know, was going to do what the officer said, you know, because the officer asked for him for registration and license and that's what he was going to get. And the officer just, you know, executed him right there. And it's instant. It's instances like that. That, regardless of race, which at that point it comes to police officers the, and their training. I would, I would say, I think there's a very widespread yes. police brutality problem. I, I know people, a lot of good cops that, you know, lay down their lives constantly and have to make split-second decisions, and it's definitely not easy by any means, but, you know, recently I felt as if they're not always 
police are meant to protect, so they should be more so there should be more training on how to deal with people non-lethally, you know? Mm-hmm. And see, this is, this is the thing, right? I, like, that's, okay, hold on a second. Uh, let me, let me recollect my thoughts. <laughs> um... Whenever I heard about that happening to that individual, you know, like like you were saying, it does lead into police, which I, I do want to touch on in a little bit. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter the race of who that happened to, but the fact that it happens more to black people than it does to any other race, you know, um, proportionally is what isn't acceptable um and you know it's really like it, it was those two instances i remember um with brianna taylor and um that gentleman which i also hate myself for not remembering his name that's whenever i felt the most outrage and i was the most you know i was angriest right because if you do all the things you're supposed to do and you're still punished for it, like, you know, there's really no other worse punishment you could ever ask for. You do everything right and you do everything you're supposed to do and yet you're still, um, you, I guess you could say crucified, right? Like that's the whole thing with, um, in the Bible with Jesus Christ, right? The most holiest man to have ever lived, and he is killed because of it. That is what you could say is the ultimate punishment. And to see that happening just every day to ordinary people, you know, who just didn't suspect anything like that to happen to them. Because, you know, you see something in your news and, you know, subconsciously you tell yourself, oh, that can never happen to me. But the reality is, you know, to black people in america that can very well be you or even to latinos you know um but it it just is very it's it's more so not necessarily ignorance you could say it's negligence on the all lives matter part um you know there's a problem there and you're so, real quick, for the people that may not know you as well, that just, what is your yes. definition difference for um, ignorance versus negligence? Okay, so, alright, so my, my understanding between ignorance and negligence is ignorance is, um, when you're basically blind to something, right? You're ignorant of your ignorance, basically. You don't know what you don't know because you don't know. However, negligence is whenever there, you know, there's an issue, you know, there's a problem or there's something there, right? That has to be addressed, needs to be addressed, and you just don't. You just let it sit there and fester 
and become even bigger of a problem until eventually it becomes such a ginormous problem that you can no longer ignore it. That's negligence, to me at least. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. No, I just I felt like it was something very important that people should know. Of course. And a very good good concept of the the difference in definition, just so that people mm-hmm. can gain another understanding, a better understanding, if you will. So. Of course. From there. Um. That's the thing, you know, um, yeah, so, like, that's the thing, right, people are being negligent to the fact that this is happening, um, disproportionately to black people. Another, um, I guess you could say, um, good movie that, like, also brings into the perspective of, um, you know, a black community is, um, Thug. Oh, the hate you get, no, that, that is a very good one. The only two movies that I would add on to that, because... Michael B. Jordan actually made this movie free in light of recent events, is Just Mercy, which I think it would be a very, very powerful movie. The Hate You Give and Just Mercy, I think would be too... Just Mercy is mercy. is definitely something. For those of you listening, if you've made it this far, thank you for staying with us. But yes, Netflix documentary thir- The 13, if you really get a chance... The Los Angeles Riots is another good one, but for the two main movies that would definitely help would be Just Mercy and uh, The Hate You Give, or Thug, as Chris has just elaborated and explained for us. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you know, I do want to touch on the police. Um, do you have any... And, um, like, you were talking about, like, their training and stuff. I'm pretty sure you have... Oh, I do, I do have a few. I was going to bring it up in another podcast, but I don't mind bringing it up more. Because I have friends who have focused, have fixated on that a lot more. With So, it's, it's good that you say that I had, I had a friend of mine who, who brought this up. And he actually, you know, we were talking. And he was like, Thomas, you know, I don't really think this is... It was a race issue. I was like, really? He's like, Yes. I, I don't believe that anything that happened was, was racist. I think it was just more, because he was looking at it from a strict criminal and justice standpoint. He was like, it was, a, it was just, it was, a, it, was a, it was a failure of the system. I was like, okay, that's a very interesting take. He's like, well, yeah, you know, my, my father works in such and such area. I'm not going to disclose too much because he didn't, he doesn't want too much disclosed and I don't want to you know put him on the light. I just wanted to know that I, I talked to somebody who has some experience and he said, well, what happened was a criminal act. Those four cops, regardless of who it was or what happened, they should be in jail. What they did was murder, and they should be charged with the highest degree of murder because they, that wasn't okay. They didn't do anything. Um, and then he was then he started blaming the, the cops. Not, not all cops, because not all cops are bad, but he was saying, no, there, there's a serious problem with the the with the uh, excuse me <laughs> with the ethics and procedures the cops are put through and something that my my friend had had sent me I'm going to talk to him more on this I'm pretty sure he wants his name known but just because I cannot remember at this point in time I'm not going to go there but he said less than one percent of police training is about ethical policing which mind boggled me I was like really Obviously, that can differ state to state as, you know, states have their own laws. And when it comes to the police system, I'm pretty sure that's a state thing, not a federal thing. It was just, it was very interesting to me. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the commission mandated that you know 640 hour worth of coursework be taken in in 16 weeks, and to conclude with a comprehensive written exam and skills testing. Uh, 640 hours worth of coursework done in 16 weeks. If tell me, Chris, how long are we in school for? How long are we in school for? How long are what? For for our courses that we take. Uh, we're in... I will no oh, per per semester for courses. Um, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Per semester, um, we're in school for like what? I think it is sixteen weeks. And for how many credit hours? Um, probably like so... fifteen. So cramming 640 hours worth, that's almost unfathomable, isn't it? Well, see, that's the thing, right? It's basically a 40-hour work week um, for 16 weeks, which is the equivalent of one college semester. So it takes one college semester for you to become a police officer, right? Which, that's like saying, you know, I go to... I take like maybe like say 16 credit hours worth of classes. Say you know you take, you know calculus, uh, chemistry, um, some mm-hmm. other things, a few other things, right? Biology even, like you know five five six classes, um, and then that's it. You know you go out to the field and you're a chemist kind of thing, or like you know half a you know half a year of college and now you're a police officer. I don't really think. And although I will say, you know, there are other professions um, where you take just as much um, school time. I feel like a barber, you can get your license in about that amount of time or less, or like a cosmetologist. But like, you know, the, the, the problem with that is, is that that's, you know, you're, you're put into, li- into life-changing decisions all the time. And, you know, really it's, like, even, even for example, the military, right? Basic training, like, the very fundamental basic training just to get you into shape and, you know, to get you up to speed physically is two to three months. Not exactly. to add on the rest no, of your No, granted, special forces and military is, is they're taught um, in the military, right? You know, they're put right into the middle of war and combat, but I feel like there's just so much more for police work. And I'm not saying that more should be added on or less should be taken away, but maybe they should just extend the amount of time it takes mm. rather than, than adding or subtracting anything. I, it's so just like, very interesting to me. This is, this is what I think, right? I think at the very least, if you want to become a police officer, you can become a police officer, you know. However, I feel like there should be two routes. One route is where you just do, you know, the 640 work weeks or the 640 hour, right, in 16 weeks. If you do if you take that route, then I feel like you should be like basically um at that point, if you do that, then I feel like you should just basically be um, to the point where you're just like um, doing desk work 
or you just do like I wouldn't necessarily want to say patrols because that can also be you know a little dangerous but um you know desk work like some minor things that involve the police and um you know things that just need to be done right basically like i guess you if you want to say like the janitor things you don't really want to do but they have to be done kind of thing and i feel like if you know if you're going to be a patrol officer or if you're going to even become like a detective or you know just the higher up you go i feel like at the very least you should have an associate's degree in either the sciences or like um you know in psychology and have taken a good bit of coursework in psychology right and it doesn't necessarily have to be an associate's degree but it should be around the same level you know the college a college level understanding of you know the human psyche um just being able to understand things more so from your own perspective instead of shooting because my life was in fear i'm shooting because people around me lives were in in danger um, you know, not necessarily that I was fearful that my life was in danger. And, you know, I also think there should be some um, some changes into some laws. I know there was a Supreme Court case. A man was, uh, you know, there's a serial killer on the loose and um, or a stabbing someone who's, you know, stabbing around different people or whatever. And, you know, this guy ended up stopping him on the subway and two cops just watched the guy get stabbed. And, you know... Um, then he had to be rushed to the hospital and stuff like that. They took all the glory in the media and stuff like that. And, um, you know, later it was, he sued the police department at that point. Right. And then later in the Supreme court case, um, it was stated that police officers do not have the responsibility to protect another individual or like to protect citizens. They're there to enforce the law, not to protect citizens. And, you know, like, stuff like that, that doesn't allow, that doesn't encourage police officers to become, you know, um, I guess if you want to say the embodiment of, um, of, uh, morality. Well, damn. And, like, really being able to, to, uh be leaders in communities right people say oh, fuck 12 and you know i ain't gonna talk to no cop for the same reasons you know of all the things that not each individual cop has done but kind of like that whole group has done and kind of similarly how i feel about the black community the only way for the black community to get out of that stigma and to get out of that bias that everyone has you know that all all black people are thugs or they're gangsters or stuff like that, you know. Um, the only way to really defeat that is for each individual to do what is best, not only for them, their family, but their community, to be outstanding members of society. And that's a very long and difficult road, but it's one that is necessary you know, all these protests and all these riots aren't going to accomplish that. And it isn't, there's no glory in that, right? There's no glory in taking responsibility for yourself and taking responsibility for the people you care about, you know, but there is glory in going out, protesting, rioting, um, because, you know, you could say, oh, you know, I was there, I did something, but really all you really did was just reinforce that bias that everyone has about you. And the only way to defeat that 
is for you to grow and outpace them in that aspect which is why you know i wanted to go to the hbcu to north carolina a&t because i just think you know i'm surrounded by people who constantly strive for that and it really does inspire me and you know it even brought change in my family you know my mom um here in hickory mm -hmm. where i live you know um she had because we live close to you know uh section eight housing and it's just filled uh, there are a lot of black people there, and, you know, my mom, she's very, um, you know, oh, don't go over there, you know, um, I don't want you getting into trouble over there, you know, you have to be careful around those kind of people, and I was like, mom, you know, that's not really, you know, fair to them, and, you know, going to an HBC really opened up her eyes, um, but going back, you know, that's besides the point, right, going back to police officers, it's the exact same thing, the only way for people not to say, you know, fuck 12, or, you know, to even trust the police is for the police to take a different direction and to try to be better and try to improve and, you know, um, hammer out their kinks that they have in the police system and in the law, um, law enforcement system. Because, you know, otherwise it's just gonna, it's a positive feedback loop. You know, another cop is gonna do something bad, you know, whether or not he had good intentions or not, or, you know, then it's just going to trigger another thing, and it's just going to keep on repeating. You know, I think it was something I saw on Instagram, which they said, you know, no one ever says, fuck firefighters, because firefighters have never done anything wrong. You know, whenever you call 911, they're the first ones to arrive. They're there to help you, to save you. And, you know, people used to have that kind of, um, or at least I know I used to have, that kind of lens and that kind of feeling when it came to police officers but now i don't and it's kind of i feel like you know the more that time passes interesting. The more that idea is reinforced very interesting and no that's that's a very valid point that's just that's <sighs> no no it, it's it's go good rent there but um <laughs> It's actually very good. Mm. No, and um, thank you for sharing those feelings. Uh, I want to wrap up here because we're we're getting close to the hour mark, hitting at um, hitting at you know fifty one minutes and then twenty seconds. These these conversations within an hour, depending on how everything goes, and I don't want to mm -hmm. talk about everything in one segment. So I will say, are there any other, are there, is there anything that you want to add real quick? Because if not, I'm probably just going to read some things off of Instagram. Um, um, I will say, I oh, real quick, say, I did yes. send you something on Instagram and uh, we can just go a little over because I want to read it and see what you think. Probably going to do the same thing with someone else as well. So, just look at that if you can. But continue with what you're going to say. I apologize for interrupting. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I was going to say, you know, um, closing thoughts were just be more mindful of other people and, you know, what they're going through. Be more open to them and their experiences. Um, 
you know, we are all suffering, we all have, you know, pretty shit lives, but every, someone else has it, you know, worse than you do. And, you know, that's pretty much Oh, that's, that's, that's a good closing remark. I, thank you. Um, for me, I would, I would pretty much say the same thing. I think that the death of George Floyd and everything that's been sparked, it wasn't just a race issue, it was a police brutality and a system failure issue. I think change needs to happen. I think there needs to be change. I wish there was less violence, but one of the, there's a quote, oddly enough, by Thomas Jefferson that I really like, which is, the tree of liberty must be replenished with the blood of patriots and tyrants alike. I think that's very interesting. Some food for thought before uh, having the session come to a close. For all of you listening, um, I'm not sure if this will be like the first or second one that I post. But if you are listening, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying in with us long enough. And keep in mind that every interview is going to have different people. It's going to have different paces. Some people may talk slower. Some people may talk faster. Some may be livelier. Some may be more professional. But I'm excited for what I have to offer and for what we have to give. So thank you for being part of our learning experience, our educational experience, our passionate and vulnerable experience sharing our thoughts and views with everybody i think that the world can become closer i think we've definitely made progress i think trump has fucked with that progress but that's another interview and another story for a later time <clears throat> but <laughs> but yes just keep an open mind for those of you that are on the side of black lives matter that have been showing your support, that I've been that agree with most of most of the protesting going on. Thank you. Keep your keep your foot on the pedal. There's actually uh, something I read, which is you know some are posting on social media. Uh, some of you are posting protesting in the streets. Some of you are even donating silently. Some of you are educating yourselves, and some of you are having some very tough conversations with friends and family. Our revolution has many lanes. Just be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling in the same direction. And even if you're traveling in other directions, maybe you can find ways to help each other along and to come to an understanding, or even just agreeing to disagree. We've got to keep our foot on the gas on this and keep driving forward. So thank you, dear listeners, and if it's daytime for you, good evening. Just head more towards later tidbits of, of the day than good night. This is Thomas Keeley and Chris Pilato signing off. Alright, and that's a wrap. All right then. Um, oh yeah. So an idea that I have. Yeah, I was having my own record. I'll stop too.